Well, let's get into the Word. I can't wait to present this Word to you. It's out of 1 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 13 and 14 and 15. Well, you know, the church has been delayed for six months. And Timothy is talking to us here in, in the book of Timothy about what the church is to look like. How are we to behave? Now, last week, I talked to you about the reigniting of your passion for God within the church. And this week, well, in, in that service, I talked about the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Fifty-two days they built those walls. That was miraculous of what they were able to do. But Nehemiah knew that it wasn't the rebuilding of the walls that the Israelites needed. It was rebuilding of their lives with God and the, each other and their relationships that was vitally important. So here we are. It's not 52 days. It's 189 days. It's unbelievable to even say that since we had in-house worship. It's three and a half times longer than it took Israelites to build the walls of Jericho. So here's the question. How do we re-engage the church, and what are we re-engaging? You see, the church really has changed significantly, not only because of all the line, online um, ministry that we are doing, and we will continue to do because of the community in which we are reaching within our valley here and around the world. But it has changed really well in the past several decades. The church is not what it used to be decades ago. The battle lines have changed. The culture has changed. And the ways in which we do ministry. If you would, would go to gone to sleep in the 1940s and woke up in 2020, you, you would have thought you were on another planet. Everything has changed so much. And I really can imagine at times what people are going through especially those without Christ, as we have the whole West Coast is burning down with these fires, as we have chaos in our cities, economy is under attack, the pandemic around the world, politics out of control, six hurricanes lined up in the Atlantic and Gulf coming our way. And now we have the church has re-engaging what are we to do with all that chaos around us? What will we look like as a church? How has it changed? And what can you expect as we come together as a body of Christ? Now, all change isn't bad. The 21st century has done some marvelous things, reaching the unreached people, planning churches, speaking the truth in love, working much better in the areas of discipleship, and as we continue to work with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> excuse me, and what he is doing, I really believe God has something amazing in store for us. But here is the question, though. So how do we re-engage as a body of Christ in doing the work of the kingdom? We've come together now. What, what do you expect of us as a leadership, and what does the leadership expect of you? Well, I love 
Timothy. Timothy gives us a great insight of how the church could act or re-engage. And when I was reading this, it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke into my heart, said, this is for you. It really did get my attention because that's exactly where we are today. And verses 14 and 15 of this text gives us a, well, a theme of the whole book. And I love what's happening here because Peter, I mean, Paul was being delayed to visit Timothy. And he sent him the letter, and he was saying, here's what I want you to do as you wait for my return. And, and when I heard that, I, I was asking myself, what is he saying to us as we have been delayed 189 days since we were able to be together and worship together? 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. I hope to come to you soon. Boy, how many of you hoped that the church were going to open two months ago, three months ago? You probably did. You were ready, ready to come. And when you heard that, you're thinking, I can't wait. I hope to come to, your, to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so, so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Now, take a mental picture of that, that household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, <laughs> I had to look up in a dictionary, buttress. What is a buttress of truth? And, and, and then it's a wall, it's a fortress, a pillar holding up the gospel, a fortress of wall protecting the truth of that word being declared. Actually, actually, he's saying, well, how do we behave? In 1 Timothy 4.12, he gives us an example in the, in, a, um, in the New American Standard Bible, in the NIV, uses the term conduct ourselves. How we conduct ourselves. My question is to us is, oh, I'm getting a, uh, some water. wraps it in a Kleenex so that, for some reason, keep me safe. Thank you. He wants to talk to us about, well, how do we re-engage in a very vulnerable society in which we live in today? And, and, and may I say that, that the work of the Holy Spirit that sustained us in the past six months miraculously, if he was able to do that, I can't wait to see what he is about to do in the next six months, in the next six years, in the next decade that he has a work for the kingdom of God. And you... My friend, you are a part of that. So look at the person beside you and tell them the preacher's talking to you. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. I know that, that the church, well, how we do church has changed. But, but I want you to put you, I want to put you at ease 
because as we re-engage as a church, there are three non-negotiables within the body of Christ, within the church. Now, non-negotiable is something that absolutely cannot change because I'm going to talk to you about the understanding of the church. And when this is all over with, I want you to have that sense how glorious the church really is. I want you to fall in love with the church once again. I want you to fall in love with, well, the planner of the church, God, what he has in store for the body of Christ. Well, in doing those, those three non-negotiables are going to be in three different areas. One is re-engaging our relationships and being together as God's children. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Then next week and the week after, I'll be talking about the presence of God, understanding the importance of recognizing the presence of God. We sing a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Well, he's always been here. He has never left. I love the song, but it's like I tell my wife, you're welcome to be in my home. You know? I could see how that would go over, you know? Because I've always been here. Well, it is recognizing. Because when I recognize that presence of God, it changes everything around us. Because I'm able to have that absolute awareness of his presence and his direction. Then we're going to go into sharing the truth of God's word that he wants us to be able to declare to a very confused world. We have the answers, my friend. So in understanding that, let's get to the point, re-engaging our relationship and being together as God's children. He says it is the household of God. Other translations says it's God's house and the house of God. I can remember my children when they were little, they'd be running through the church, and the way I would settle them down, I would look at them and say, hey, you're in the house of God. I wanted to put that fear. Now, there was a time growing, I grew up, I slept underneath the pews growing up in the church. I, I would never walk on the platform because I really thought that was absolute holy of holy grounds. And to walk into the pastor's office, there was no way. When growing up, Asa Martin was my pastor, and I, and I told him when I met him at a conference years ago, and I was in ministry then, I said, you know, I was scared to death to go in your office because I thought it was the Holy of Holies. He goes, it was. <laughs> and I, I go, no, I'm one of you now, pal. I know. I know. But I went, we would tell our children, it's the house of God. What does that actually mean? is we're talking about this, it is a physical place, but it's also a place where people live, that house. Now, if you would drive by my house, you would say, that's the Ricosi's house. Yes, you're saying, that's the building in which I live in, but actually you're also saying, that's where Tom and Arlene lives. It is a place where we dwell. In the household of God, listen to this. The household usually refers to a location where relationships 
take place. That's so vitally important. Because this is far more than just us showing up to go through the ritual of a worship service. And I love what we do. But it's where relationships take place. That household of God. Paul describes that church as that household of God, the family of God. That relational connection which we have is so vitally important to each and every one of us because we have something in common. And that thing that you and I and every one of you that is sitting beside each other, in front of you, behind you, what we have in common is the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners among whom I am foremost. Wow, what a powerful statement. But he understood the miracle of salvation. Do you hear that? That miracle of salvation. Not only am I forgiven of my sins, I am welcomed into a family of God, God's family. In other words, I have been adopted. Hmm. When, when I worked in the coal mines, there was a guy on that in the mines with me that, that he, he had this, he was a pig, really. The guy, his back of his car had all these chicken bones. He would eat his chicken and throw it in the back seat. It was disgusting. But we knew this guy had money. He just never spent it. And, and, and I would go to him and say, you know what you need to do? And he would say, what do I need to do? I said, you need to adopt me. Oh, no. And he would laugh at me and says, not in your lifetime, that's for sure. But I tell you this, is that we've been adopted in something much bigger and much greater. That is the kingdom of God. Now, church, if sometimes if you feel that you are all alone during this pandemic, I have some incredible news for you. It's out of Romans, the eighth chapter, verses, well, 15 through 17. In my Bibles, if you would look at them, and I have several, and they're just wore out, and, and, but there's places where you see my signature. You would wonder, why do I sign my signature there, my name? I do it because I take it as a contract. As God made those promises to me as saying, I'm signing on the line here. I'm receiving that from you. Listen to this in Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with the Spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If there's anything that we have to offer, it is that opportunity of being adopted into the most incredible family on earth and in heaven. It is the family of God that he promised never to leave us or forsake us. There are so many truths of that 
relationship that we're able to have that after all these years of my 72 years of existence, I am still in awe of the benefits that I have as a child of God. And you may be here now this morning because, well, you can't wait to get back to church. And for that, I celebrate that. The second reason is that it's been kind of tough. This whole pandemic thing has really attacked you physically or emotionally, well, and, well, financially and everywhere. And, and you're wondering, well, what's going on? I'm all alone in all this chaos. But I have something to offer you, is that there is one who's able to bring peace in the midst of it. It's able to bring stability in the mix of it all. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were here because, well, you just felt it was time to get back to church, I am so glad that you're here. But here's your opportunity to invite that King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into your life. Now, I'm going to pray for you. Don't get all excited thinking I'm dying because I'm not, okay? But I'm going to pray for you. And I want you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm giving you a gift, not of a lifetime, but of eternity. And here's something else is that maybe this past six months has challenged your walk in Christ. And you want to re-engage in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Here is your opportunity. So what I'm going to ask in the middle of this message, if you would bow your heads, would you please? Your head's about. Now, if you are here this morning and you desire to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, or that you have walked with him, but it has been such a challenging time in this past six months or six years, and you want to re-engage in that relationship with Christ, what I want you to do is I want you to just look up at me right now. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heaven is rejoicing. So would you pray a prayer with me this morning, all of us as a family of God? Heavenly Father. Oh, that was okay. Let's try that again, because you are being adopted into the family of families. Heavenly Father, this day, I re-engage, or I engage, to ask you to come into my life. I desire to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to be my God, and I want to be your child. So I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. There's just too many that count. But you know them, and I know them. So I give them to you, and you have taken them to the cross. So this day, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So be it. 
I need a shout, church. I need a shout right now. Because right now, people have made a change in their life that you are now part of a family of God. You are part of something bigger than you could ever imagine. And the beauty of the journey is discovering every moment of what that is going to look like because he has your life as interest. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to grow, grow. Yes, that doesn't mean you will not have trials. You will but you will be victorious because he is there with you. Now, here's something I want to do. I want to read a scripture. It's out of Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 22. That's a lot of verses to be able to read. But I want you to hear what this scripture is saying. It is absolutely too marvelous and too good to just get by. So listen to this. Verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Ever feel like you were an outsider? You were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Wow, what a statement. In in those days, you were living apart from Christ. Remember those days? You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know, while listen, and you did not know the covenant promises God has made with them. Oh, that's a sermon in itself, getting to this covenant relationship that we have with him. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Church. There's a world out there that is living without hope. And you and I have a message as the body of Christ to be able to share. Don't you dare lay this just on my lap and say, you're the pastor. You are to do it. We are all called into that work of the kingdom, each and every one of you. Look at the person beside you again and say, he's talking to you. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, well, in his own body on the cross. He broke down the walls. Listen to He broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. We live in a very hostile world today. What I see in the news breaks my heart of how we are treating each other. He says, I want to break down the walls of hostility that separate us. He did this by ending a system of law which um, its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from God, uh, well, uh, from two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled 
both groups of God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. Give a shout to that church. That is a message of what needs to be going out. It is Jesus Christ, Christ alone. That's what the body of Christ is. That is what the church is all about. This world needs the church, the glorious church, more than it ever has. And you are that message. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us come. All of us come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. And here we go. You are members of God's family. So together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone in, is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully, carefully, when God says carefully, he says, I'm doing it right. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. That's the house of God where relationships are made with him and with each other. You see what this is, this re-engagement. I want you to wrap your mind around it so that you begin to realize that this is not just a place where we do religion. This is a place in which relationships are built, though through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Wow. Listen, church, we, we are different. He brings us together. I love this congregation because we're of different genders, different race, different positions in life. And then what he does, he adds his spirit into our life, and he jointly fits us together as one. We have nothing to separate us. It doesn't mean that he takes away your uniqueness of who you are. Here's the thing that I want heaven to look like. Everywhere, I, and I did some extensive studying of the book of Revelation. But here's what, what I see because they're dressed in white robes. I hope not. You know, man, I want to see the sobreros. I, I, I want to see the beautiful saris. I, I want to see the colors. You know, I, I want to see the kilts. I want to see every tribe, every nation coming together and worshiping the God and that one voice and that one family that he is our God and we are his children. We come together. You know what we are. We are the United Nations of the spiritual world, that we come together as one, speaking that one voice because he loves us so much. You are the body of Christ. Several years ago, 
I was, I had conducted a funeral service in Indiana. I was at the grave site of this precious life. After I did the ceremony, the committal, I stepped back. The family came together and loved to see how they cared and loved and supported each other. And then I looked down and there was a tombstone right beside me. Had no clue who these people were. I just knew it was a husband and wife. Didn't know anything about them, but I knew everything about them because there was one word in between their names. Redeemed. Redeemed. I am redeemed. You are redeemed. We have that. That what comes together as a body of Christ. Jesus saved us. God adopted us. And the Holy Spirit filled us. We are that glorious church. We are that house of God where relationships take place. And those relationships pour on out into our community and touch our lives all around us because we are the family of God.